0: Hey guys, welcome to Behind the Helmet. I'm Stingray Rob, driver of the number 51 Honda with Dale Coyne and Rick Ware Racing, and joining me as well is my co-host, David Hoffman. David, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Stingray. I feel like this is a little different from usual. Now you're the one hosting the show, so might as well throw you on NBC now.
0: We've got a little practice in over the last few months talking, so this is good. More practice, and uh, it's kind of fun to do something different here.
1: Yeah, for all we know, you could be into like, hosting some show or, you know, whatever else, so got to get that host-driver stuff in a little early, now.
0: There you go. But,
1: but yeah, so, yeah, as you mentioned it, behind the helmet, Stingray Rob. Um, it's been a long time since we've had an uh, episode, obviously. It's been a little crazy. You got Yet Indy, first Indy 500 start. Uh, we'll get into that, but, yeah, a lot of ground to cover, so I thought, Why don't we kind of time this out so to move things along a little bit quicker so we can get to Indy and Road America here coming up. I'm going to give you one minute for each race. We'll let Indy aside for now. We'll start with Barber and then I'll say, all right, time's up and then we'll move into the Indy GP. How's that sound?
0: That sounds great.
1: All right. Let me get my trusty stopwatch. So, all right, here we go. Are you ready for a speed round of what happened to Barber?
0: So at Barber, um, that was a track that I've been to before. I love Barber. It's got lots of elevation chains, permanent road course. I'm a big permanent road course guy. I think that there needs to be more of those races on the schedule. Um, and I felt like that was the first race that we rolled off the truck where I actually felt like an indie car driver. I felt like we could be competitive. Um, Didn't qualify as well as we wanted. Uh, I think it was like 21st or something. Dave and my teammate also had a tough time. Um, he wasn't too far up the road for me in the in the lineup there and then we went into the morning warm-up before the race and race pace was phenomenal I think that we were p14 on the time charts in that morning warm-up and that was you know kind of in dirty air on primary tires and felt like we had some good pace on the alternates Um, so going into the race felt very confident I got a good start made up a couple positions on the start um, and then went into the first round of pit stops and we did an undercut compared to some of the other drivers. And we were able to make up some spots doing that as well. I was close, close some room to my teammate. Um, and about lap 30, I think I want to say, uh, we were getting ready. We just did our second pit stop. Um, and I had some issues with, uh, the car, uh, with, you know, they come out of a corner the, the throttle would cut out. And so we ended up having to pull over on the side of the road, exiting turn nine. I think it is, um, uh just with with some mechanical failures and it's unfortunate because i felt like we we're moving up some good spots in the race passing cars i felt comfortable um and ended our, ended our day on lap 36.
1: then moving on i was a minute 30 so not too bad <laughs> uh, dang it <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on that um uh, and uh ndgp obviously the start of the month of may how was the ndgp
0: ndgp is another track that i know and love um permanent road course uh qualifying did not go the way we wanted yet again um my, my teammate and I we were only separated by two spots, so it kind of was what it was, and that was the car that we had for the day in qualifying, but um, going to the race, yet again, I felt like we had decent pace, um, at least in the morning warm-up, and uh, made contact with my teammate on, like, lap two, and that's, like, rule number one, don't do that, so I felt very, very bad for the team, and for David, and uh, the rest of the world out there.
1: Oh, wow, that was, like, record-breaking, <laughs> 30 seconds. It was a most... pretty short race, so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, talking about that a little bit, I know that, you know, obviously you don't want to take out your teammate or get in any contact with, you know, with Malukas, but just, you know, what can you, is there anything you can take from that race or just kind of how to reevaluate, I guess, overtaking and, you know, figuring out just what the balance is of, you know, just, you know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, that was an instance where I was fighting with Roman Grosjean for position. We went into turn one. On that same lap, battling for it and i held him off went down to turn seven um broke really late on the inside trying to defend against roman and david was uh, fighting with scott mclaughlin and was trying to do the over under and so he was just over slowed compared to the rest of the cars around him and uh, the rest of the cars around him was me and roman and i think uh it was just one of those cases where all the variables lined up in the wrong direction and uh, when he tried to come across the, the apex I was, you know, trying to outbreak Roman and we made contact. So, um, you know, I think that had he done something different, had I done something different, had Roman done something different, had Scott done something different, we would all be out of that scenario. But it was just kind of like a, a bad storm of variables.
1: And that's just one of those things put behind you and understand, you know, and just know going forward that, you know, like just, yeah, you know, it's one of those things you, some, some things aren't out, aren't in your control and, you know, things can go differently in all sorts of ways, but, um, you know, moving on to Indy 500 qualified. Oh my goodness. That was, that was a, that was an animal in itself. Uh, just take you through Saturday qualifying, uh, at the two and a half mile oval at Indianapolis motor speedway. And those first few runs, just how pressuring is it? Having to go out there and lay down four perfect laps, not just one but four, just trying to get that average as high as you can
0: uh you know going into qualifying day i thought we had a pretty good car i know it wasn't the best on the grid but i knew that it was going to be 3d could qualifying midfield and then um we ended up on saturday having both of our our team cars fighting for the last row and so that's not a position you want to be in and then um you know that's a lot of pressure on I mean, myself as a rookie i felt like i i wanted to just kind of skate through and not be able to have to spend too much time in the car but we did multiple runs and each run we were you know about the same speed didn't really make up any time and so it was it was really tough because as a driver it's 10 lap or 10 miles of just executing a lap and so for myself i just knew i needed to keep my foot to the floor and adjust the tools as needed and it, it wasn't enough to get it through on saturday so we had to go back on sunday for the last chance qualifier
1: and yeah you, know, you mentioned your teammate david malucas you yeah, both of you guys were kind of near the bottom of the board then know, it might have been an hour two hours left he shot up the board to kind of secure his spot just to As throughout the day, no understanding that, you know, that was his first time last year doing it. What type of advice did you get from him potentially just on going throughout the day?
0: You know, David, I think, was pretty worried. I think that we were all pretty stressed in the garage. So there wasn't much advice being passed around other than we need to get this done. Um, And so I think that we didn't talk much on Saturday. Come Sunday, um, I think that it was kind of like, okay. David made it through. We can focus our efforts on stingray. Um, and even then it was it was very very stressful
1: and then gunshot sound on day one to end it just you now have to face three rail 11 and cars in the last chance shootout what were your emotions there just understanding that man you know i you essentially have to go up against 90 percent of a another team you know and you're kind of the lone wolf in that scenario
0: yeah not a good feeling not a good feeling at all and we were the second car to go out on the track and so um lungard went first and us second and so i knew that i just had to get lungard have been faster all all weekend compared to the other two cars and so i just had to get either close or just ahead of him and we got really really close to, to christian and so i felt like that was getting that spot to be in but then you got to wait for the 45 minutes to to run out the rest of the time on the clock and then then you can kind of celebrate a little bit but um saw graham's run and then sh- saw jack's run and we knew that beating two cars was all that we needed to do. And uh, it's really hard to get multiple runs and and go faster. But Jack did, which was crazy. You know, I, I kept getting worried. I'm like, oh, my goodness, Jack is going out. Jack's going out. And did two other runs after his first run. And so it was a crazy day. Um, all the emotions you have, you know, kind of like the low of like, oh, we're in the last chance qualifier. And then the high of like, we made it through the last chance qualifier. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of. Kind of a relief, uh, a breath of fresh air after the two weeks of preparation to, you know, confirm that we're going to be in the Indy 500.
1: And just with the Sunday qualifying, that was crazy in itself. I thought it was ludicrous that Jack Harvey could even remotely, like, get a second run in without really cool being able to cool down anything. Just I don't think we've ever seen something like that before. Just what was like, like when you see that, it's like what do you think? Do you You think, man, you know, like this, you know, obviously Graham couldn't get a second run out, but at that point no, like, watching kind of Graham sit there aimlessly on pit lane, knowing that either you're going to be in or you're going to be out. Just, you know, how, as a driver, just you know, seeing another guy go through something like that, just what comes to mind? I
0: mean, for Jack's perspective, you know, I think that he needed that. He's been having kind of a last rough or a rough last year and a half. And so for him, I think that it was kind of cool to see, even though it was going against kind of his boss and Graham, you know, being uh being teammates, I'm sure that's really tough. But it was crazy to see him do multiple runs. I mean, you see him go up for the second time, you're like, what's he doing? Like, there's no way it's not happening. And then you're like, oh, okay, maybe it is. Then he goes up for the third one. You're like, okay, seriously, dude, like just give it up. It's not happening. And then he does it. And so I thought it was interesting to, to see the team allow him to kind of go for it because he put Graham out, you know, he put his teammate out. So um, it was cool to see that, but um, Graham, you know, everyone I think felt for him. And uh, I think that he earned a little bit of respect from the way that he handled it just because it was, it was emotional. And that's a tough thing to, to be in position of.
1: And a lot of your family, I saw they were on pit lane for that moment of sealing the deal just. The moments you knew you were locked in and you know, to the five hundred and when the when the day's done, just what were those emotions like for not only yourself but your family, to seeing everyone kind of rallying around you there.
0: Oh, it was so cool. You know, my mom I think was crying for the 45 minutes that the, the clock was running out. She was already a nervous wreck, but she got excited and um I think that we were all very excited. You know, I got into the car and I hugged all my mechanics and then hugged my parents and I started crying a little bit. And it was just like one of those things where it's um, a realization. Of a lot of a lot of work not just from myself but from the team from my family and uh you know you don't realize how special that moment is until you have to go through it And i think it gave me a bigger appreciation for the indy 500 you know going through that made me understand you know the the impact that this race has
1: And obviously going into race week lots of stuff going on i mean you're not just laying around here you know there are lots of lead-up events and all that other stuff all of that other stuff just you got the last row party which was interesting always an interesting uh, unique aspect um uh, media day the parade just what were some of the highlights and coolest moments for you during that week leading up to the 500
0: yeah like you said we were plenty busy um the last row party was actually a lot of fun they do a good job of making light and uh and joking around with everything that was going on there and it was kind of funny because the four guys that were in the last chance qualifier were at the last row party and with the incident with steph wilson um, it's unfortunate but it allowed Graham to be in the race and so uh, it's just kind of fun to like poke fun at each other and we're all in the same spot so it's like poking fun at yourself a little bit but um, you know I think the the week I underestimated leading up to the 500 because there is so much media attention around the event and uh, you you get up at 7 30 in the morning and you have your first interview right then and then you're you're done at 8 45 that night your last interview, or last event and so there's just a lot that goes into it. It's very tiring, but you're not doing anything. You're just sitting around talking all day. And so for myself, I think that uh, the the best part of it all was probably the parade. The parade was really cool to see everyone come out mm-hmm. and cheer. And uh, we had a lot of Stingray fans out there. There's a lot of guys with their own, their own merch. Um, we had some friends and family. We had probably a hundred people from uh, Idaho or other other places that were you know relatives or investors or whatever else may be uh come out to support and so it's just really cool to see everyone get so excited about the event
1: and going into race day just the sights and sounds of it are at end massive just from your perspective what were some of the things that blew you away as you're you know leading up to getting into the car whether it's you know, waving to the crowd getting introduced um as an indy 500 starter just anything that kind of stuck out to you right before you hop in
0: Uh, you know it's kind of funny because i got to do this the last two years as a fan before i was a driver and so i'm glad i did that because it made me really appreciate the event um and get the the whole show of it all but as a driver you're so nervous um getting ready to get in the car and so it's kind of overwhelming you don't really be you're not able to take everything in as much as i'd like to and so um you know playing the taps the seeing the flyover, playing the national anthem those are things that kind of uh send shows up my spine a little bit and with that many people where you have three hundred thousand people inside of the stadium, three hundred thousand plus live fans inside of a stadium, and it goes silent when the taps play. and uh, so it's just it's 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 a cool experience to have that and then hear the start of the motors, and everyone's screaming um, and then doing the warm up laps, just just doing the warm- up laps, you get to see the the color of just the fans in the stadium there. and it's really cool to see how many people are It's it's more than just a race in Indianapolis, it's like an entire holiday. And so they they set out a month for this one day event. And so it's really cool to kind of experience it all from both perspectives as a fan and and as a driver.
1: I'm sure it's a little bit different feeling, you know, you're on the one side of the fence or you know, as being a fan, and then all of a sudden you're kind of thrust into it. Just I mean, like is there anything or that can prepare you for that moment?
0: I had some warnings. You know, I think that uh, with Charlie Campbell kind of helping us out for the month of May and uh, being some guidance for myself and David being a rookie last year, they kind of warned me of what was to come and what to expect. And it's never enough until you're there. It's not enough of a warning because it's something that you have to experience in order to really realize the magnitude of it. And so for myself, it was really cool to kind of be in awe, be awestruck by it all.
1: I know you mentioned Charlie Kimball there just he's been your driver coach here just how has he helped you and just what have you and what how does he get the best out of you and you know and like just with communicating and helping you move forward
0: yeah you know working with Charlie the first half of the season um it was really good because he has that IndyCar experience and so dealing with the off track just as much as the on track stuff was a big part of it you know understanding okay do I need to get a bus for the 500 when do I need to Go to this. What should I go and take a nap right now? You know things that are fairly basic, but they make a difference because you you go through the month of May and it's nonstop. I mean you're at the track almost every day. Um, Your your time is in low supply, and so understanding how to manage that best and uh, understand how to get the best out of the team while doing all of that is very important. So having Charlie kind of by my side um, and helping the team out as well. You know I think that having him on the stand allowed. The team to kind of have some weight off their shoulders allow the engineers to engineer and allow the the rest of the crew to do their job and you know he's got experience on both ends of the spectrum there so he he could see okay the crew needs to be doing this when this is happening um and then the engineer needs to be focusing on this and uh you say this and they're just like the the general protocols he had a good understanding of and, and kind of kept everyone on their feet
1: as soon as the drop of the green flag, uh, just getting into a run at Indy, just how was the balance for you and the early goings as, as you're just trying to get into a rhythm of things?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a tough, uh, first couple of stints in the car. I'm going to be honest. We corded left front tires on our, all of our sets of tires that were on the car, um, which is that, that's super tough because you want to go long on stints. If you're starting back in the pack, you want to, you want to be pitting long to try and make up some time on the leaders. And, um, we weren't in a position to do that. So, we, we had to do a couple of short stops, and um, the pit stops were clean. We got a little racy with some other drivers. And then um, about, I think it was lap 90, started getting some pack, or maybe we'll say lap 80, mid-80s, started getting some pack running. Um, and that was really tough because uh, with the understeer that we had in the car, getting behind in the car, um, everyone was complaining about it all month. It was just the kind of general trade of the cars, but you get that air wash over the front wing, and the car would just take off towards the wall. And so we saw incidents like that during the race with uh, Felix Rosenquist getting past um, and then him hitting the wall and just getting the the air taken off his front wing. There's nothing you could do. You could just turn into a passenger. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a tough first few stints. And then obviously the day ended a little ahead of schedule.
1: And yeah, you mentioned that I think it was like lap 90, um, you know, Graham Ray Hall went under you there and, I know you're pretty upset about it at first, uh, but then apologize on social media, just at least from my perspective, just looking at it. It's been a little bit since I've seen it, but it looked like you kind of got the raw end of the deal just with how Lady dove in there. And just I know you mentioned how air is so important, especially in the corners and that's how it can really swing things. What did you see or feel after the fact of that prompted you to apologize later on?
0: Yeah. I mean, in the moment, um, the, the facts that I knew were that Graham was down two laps. He, he wasn't on the lead lap. He wasn't fighting for position. And we were running in traffic, just trying to hold on. And, uh, when he was behind us, he pulled out the lap before, um, I defended the inside and he just kind of let me have the turn. No big deal. Moved on. And then on that lap there, um, I, I was just like doing the same thing. I didn't defend as hard to the inside because he wasn't pushing it. And, uh, then he, I thought it was a little bit of a late move. It was the latest move that I'd seen on myself, but it, looking back at the footage, it wasn't super late. Um, and so that's kind of where I got angry, right? Because you see in the situation, we had a lot of understeer, a lot of left front tire and uh, Had it been 10 laps sooner, had it been early on in the race, we would have been probably okay. But because it was at that time and on that stint, um, we, were, we were struggling. And so uh, there's just, again, a lot of variables that went into making that accident happen. And, Um, afterwards I got on the interview and I blamed Graham through and through, and uh, I shouldn't have done that immediately, um, knew that that was the wrong thing to do. And he didn't deserve that. And, um, heat of the moment, that's probably the the angriest that you're going to see me. And, uh, looking back at the footage afterwards, that's when I sent out that tweet saying, um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have the best interview there. And so, um, you know, looking back, I think that there was some stuff to learn for myself, some stuff to learn on the, the car side. Um, but it was frustrating because we, we went out fighting with a car that was two laps down.
1: And, you know, the, the fact that that's probably the angriest to ever see you, that's, I'd say that's pretty darn good. Um, you know, compared to other guys, whether it's NASCAR in the car, whoever it may be, just, but, you know, um, you handled yourself well. And, um, you know, did you, have you talked to Graham recently about that or,
0: yeah, he sent me a text that night, and uh, it was a very, very brief conversation. We never talked in person or on the phone, but uh, yeah, there was there were some some things that were said there.
1: Uh, so obviously, Joseph Newgarden won for the first time. Yeah, you know, the finish had a lot of varying opinions. Uh, just, I guess, from your perspective as a driver, just should it have finished under caution with the amount of red flags that were displayed during that little time frame, or just? From your perspective, you feel the race ended the correct way?
0: It's tough, right? Because as a driver, you want to finish under green, I think, you know, for the most part, unless you're you're Marcus in that situation where you're leading under caution. I've won races under caution, and I've also won races under green. So uh, I think my perspective is is that it's Indianapolis 500, you let the guys go racing. And uh, I don't want in an NASCAR situation where you're just delaying it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, but it, it just got so chaotic there at the end of the race that I think that it's one of those things where it, it got a little too long. And so I think that you kind of got to haul it at the end of the day at some point. So I, I, I've heard both cases. I think the race ended how it should have. Um, I think that Joseph was a deserving winner and uh, I, I'd say it's about time for him. You know, it was really cool to see him win and his celebration going to the crowd after was really cool to see, but um, the whole race was just chaotic. So I don't think that you can call the stewards wrong or right either way. I think it kind of was what it was, and uh, welcome to motorsports. Um, you either win or you lose, and you move on.
1: I think because of that type of finish, I mean, we yeah you know, we were in for a real treat to be you know to say the least. And uh, I mean, like the finish itself with a new garden going in the stands, that it, it didn't hurt the sport that's for sure. Because then I, you know, I remember seeing a tweet that sports center was tweeting about the Indy 500, which is huge, you know, from that perspective and. Yeah, you know, obviously you don't want to continue crashing out cars and we see that in Nascar all the time, but you know, it worked out this time. But yeah, I can see both sides to where there's a line of all right, this is a bit much.
0: I think that at the end of the day, it's kind of a uh, you know, you see it in other sports, right? Play basketball, whatever else, you get into the final minutes, you gotta let the boys play ball. And so uh no ticky tack fouls, you don't you don't call um things that are just making the game good, hard playing, good, hard racing. And so you let the, the racing be the show.
1: And as you close the book on the month of May, just looking back at the entire month, obviously very, lots of stuff going on, both on and off the track. Just, What's the biggest thing that you learned or what was the takeaway from Indy that you can go forward with?
0: think i learned a lot of patience on and off the track um you know the idea as a young driver coming to IndyCar car is that you have to be full gas on the throttle all the time and that's not that's not always the way to success you got to be able to switch on and off you got to be able to to push on the push laps and you got to be able to back it off when you need to and so um learning how to rest away from the track as well was a tool that i didn't know i needed and so there's just a lot to learn during the month of may and um the, the experience as a whole was really cool because like i said living in indianapolis now it's not just a holiday here it's even bigger than that and so it's uh it's more than a race and it's kind of cool to see the city kind of come around and support we had neighbors with you know indianapolis 500 flags in their front yard and we actually had one of them that had a sign that said stingray on it and like our driver for the year is stingray rob um, and like we didn't even know him but it was just really cool to kind of see the the city rally around the support of the drivers and the series and and the, the races as a whole so Closing the 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 book of the month of May, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad that it's done because it was not the way that we wanted it to go. But I'm excited to do it again next year, hopefully.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a sight to see. And obviously, you'll have a, a lot more experience and you'll be even more prepared going into next year. Um, and moving into Detroit, I know the layout uh, this was different. The streets of Detroit for the first time and a lot of drivers were Critical of the layout, you know, with it being so tight and bumpy, and I wonder, one drive, I don't. He went anonymous, but he had said it's not a street course, you know, type of thing. This is. What were your initial thoughts of you know the streets of Detroit and the size you're getting on the racetrack? And
0: yeah, so lucky enough for us, we uh, we drive for Honda, and they have a really good simulator, and so that allowed us to kind of get some some seat time in ahead of the event itself. Um, unfortunately, though, it's only going to get you as close as what the scans are done, and so we were guessing of what the track was going to be like. And, um, when you arrive there, it's way crazier than I was expecting. And so, um, the bumps on the front straightaway were insane. You know, I think it was Grosjean that broke a a damper in the rear of his car, just trying to go offline to pass someone on the straightaway. And so it's just like, wow, when you're talking about a straight line, uh, you bumps that are breaking dampers, that's pretty extreme. And, you know, I think that the race itself, um, the, the track was expected to be a little bit longer. And because it wasn't that length, it made it hard to race on. It was narrow. It was tight. And uh, there was just a, a lot of lot of different things that kind of made it a, a tough track. And I think that, that my, my uh, honest take on the race weekend is that it shouldn't have been called a race. It should have been called an exhibition because um, the track itself, it was a first-year track. But um, it needs a lot of work, I think, for us to go back and make it a real race.
1: And, yeah, obviously, you know, it wasn't the most smooth race. But the unique thing about IndyCar is it still wound up to be a pretty, you know, interesting race, you know, between Power and Polo going at it. Like battles all, all all over the place. So you guys made it as racy as you possibly could, which was great, you know, for a first year track. And I know, you know, fortunately, it wasn't as many crashes, you know, a dirt derby like um like nashville has been over the years but yeah it certainly was interesting to say the least um and another unique aspect was the two-sided pit lane which i don't know the last time i ever saw something like that just how did that change you and the team's approach to pit road if anything
0: it was a a lot crazier uh leaving the pit box and luckily there wasn't any like massive cautions where there was a group of cars diving into pit lane all at one time you only got a few at a time and so that allowed us to kind of skate through the the pit exit to get back up on the racetrack a lot easier because you're going from four lanes down to one essentially with that two-sided pit lane and so when you got cars launching out of their boxes trying trying to make a position uh, there's no room there and so it made it really tough to kind of cycle out even on on the green flag of the the other practice sessions or whatever else it may be it was really tough to kind of sort yourselves out and understand okay i gotta let you go i'm gonna back you up and then try and slot into position and so um and it was just it was kind of cool to see the 2 side of pit lane because you kind of see across and see what the other cars are doing um but i think that there's needs to be more information on okay did they have an advantage on this side Did they have a disadvantage on this side what can we do to make this better um and so for myself i think that it could be something that they could uh, leave in um but there needs to be a few things worked out in the meantime
1: you ended up finishing 22nd in the race. Uh, I know you had gone off into the runoff and like, on lap like 50 or something like that. Just how would you describe your race?
0: Oh, man, uh, The race that I experienced was just as much like Detroit as the track itself. It was bumpy. It was rough. Um, it was tight and a little chaotic. So it was good, but, uh, you know, we survived and, uh, you know, I think that going into the 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 race, we knew that there was going to be uh, attrition from the other drivers, but there wasn't as much as we were expecting. You know, I think everyone did a good job to stay off the walls, stay clean. Um, but I think that that was larger part of everyone just kind of backing it down, making it a little easier on themselves. But to see cars crashing under yellow was an interesting thing. There was more cars that crashed under yellow than there was under green flag conditions. So that was uh, a curious thing to see. I think that there was a, a new new learning experience for everyone on the tires there on how to turn the tires on how to get the grip level up but um yeah very interesting to see that and um we experienced some of our own issues with that but yeah it was a it's a race that we did and we're moving on from it
1: now you're back to a actual permanent road course road america i know uh last year i remember vividly you, you were leading the indy, in the indy next race then it was red flag because that one crash and then you had to go to the bathroom Fortunately, you didn't go in the car. I don't think so, right? I forget.
0: No, it was clean.
1: (laughs) All clean. Uh, Just just moving on to Road America, just what makes that such a unique racetrack to compete at?
0: Yeah, Road America is one of those tracks that's been around forever. Uh, It's four miles of just high speed. Um, It used to be a low grip, slightly bumpy track. Um, But this year they've repaved it. And we got to test there last week. And so it's kind of cool to see the the tire degradation change and also the grip level change. I think we're going to see some track records this week, which is really cool. Um and maybe some more passing because of that, but we'll see what it's like. You know, I think that Road America is a track that I've really liked because you can you can pass, you can race. Um it lends itself to um some different strategies and um you know it's a it's a cool track and it's in a beautiful area being in Wisconsin, lots of greenery, rolling hills. And uh, I just really like the, the track as a whole, the facilities, all of it. Um, it reminds me of my karting days being at some cool, cool rural, rural r- road courses there. And um, just kind of, you feel like you're racing through the forest a little bit.
1: It's going to be a cool aspect. And just heading into these bulkier stretcher races, I know July's jam-packed, that's coming up. Just how do you feel you and the team are at just in terms of gaining on the competition and kind of feeling more in tune of, hey, I'm an IndyCar driver and I know what I'm doing type of thing?
0: that i'm getting into a better position my confidence levels uh been hit obviously with uh, the impacts that we've had as the recent but um you know i think that i'm getting to a spot now where i understand where the car is where i want it to be or whatever else may be so um, understanding what it looks like to be uh an in any car driver i don't have to be on on the learning process i can adapt now and i can make changes and i can help the team make calls that i might not otherwise have been able to at the beginning of the year and, uh, you know, we're building my toolbox as far as this adjustment does this, this adjustment does this. Um, and so what can I do to, to feel out what I want? What do I need? And, you know, I think the team's doing a, a fairly good job of um, they're working their tail ends off. And, you know, our, our engineering crew, I think it's just going to keep getting better throughout the year. Um, we had a rough start, obviously, with David and I not, not being in the best position so far this year. But um, I think that they hit their stride in the second half of the season last year as well. And so I, I don't expect anything different. Um, I think that getting the permanent road courses right is going to be important for us because those are the, the last two of the year and they're going to be the most exciting and most fun, I think, being at Portland and Laguna Seca. But um, Road America is our primary concern next. We've done some testing there. We've done some simulator work there and it all lends itself to more experience, more understanding, better knowledge. And hopefully that means more speed.
1: And it's going to be interesting here. Uh, you know, have a lot more time on the racetrack so hopefully that'll kind of equate into more success uh let's stop talking about race and how about some random questions how's that sound works. all right so what first question what's your favorite place you've ever traveled to
0: Favorite place i've ever traveled to oh man um for food italy for architecture belgium
1: Thanks. belgium wow Wait, when did you go to yeah. Belgium?
0: I went to Belgium in the fall of, oh, I'm doing some math here in my head. I think it was 2015 or 2014, maybe. 2014 or 2015 for a go-kart race over there. Um, And it's actually really cool because we went over there for two weeks and we had a race one weekend and then a race the next weekend, but with nothing in between. And so we got to travel around, toured a little bit, went to Spa, got to see uh, Michael Schumacher's championship Ferrari, drive around Spa in the rain there. Um, and that was kind of like one of those moments where you sit and you just watch, you get chills up your back, goosebumps all over the place. It was so cool. So cool. Yeah. I can't imagine
1: seeing that on the racetrack. Um, yeah, I'd say for me, I haven't been outside the U.S., so it's kind of more limited. Um, and we recently, yeah, we were in Nashville. thought that was really cool um, for the first time. Wasn't able to get down to like the street circuit where that's going to be. But uh, just that place is so unique. Um, Gatlinburg. Love seeing the Smoky Mountains. That was cool. We saw actually saw a doing? bear going through the trash at nice. night, so that was interesting. So we weren't eating, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> so next question, best dessert you've ever had?
0: It's the a trick question because my grandma makes good desserts, and it would be shameful to not pick hers. But uh, she does apricot cobbler. But outside of grandma, I would probably say tiramisu in Europe. Um, I don't remember where but somewhere over there I discovered it and it was the best thing ever what well, about you
1: I mean I'd say so we went to this it was called like the milkshake bar in Nashville and it like like stacked up so it had like I don't know maybe like a brownie here then like ice cream on top and then another brownie it was, it was very like gaudy and just kind of crazy but it tasted really good and I only had like half of it because it was brownie and then the stuff's at the bottom you're just like okay I'm done but you got a free cup out of it so it
0: worked out well that sounds good
1: I yeah I feel like all the time I end up overeating chocolate and then like because you're like oh that sounds good on paper but then as soon as you get halfway through then you're like this is why I should not be (laughs) this I shouldn't be this feels bad but then you get back up the next day you're ready to roll Uh, okay so final question outside of racing What's a bucket list item that you really want to do at some point in your life?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, You know, one thing that I've always wanted to do is an outdoor climbing trip slash camping trip, um, like near Yosemite or Moab or something like that. I actually watched a video of a snow skier. Um, He built a van up and he just went up the West Coast. He did surfing, skiing, climbing and mountain biking, I think, all in one trip. So I went from California to Canada, and I think that would just be something that would be really cool to do and just, you know, take a few weeks to be outside and do all the different activities.
1: Yeah, I'd say that sounds really cool, um, you know, being able to see the outdoors to its fullest. Um, for me, I think, I you know, it kind of struck the idea when I, you know, watched Cars for the first time uh, when I was seven, but going through Route 66, that whole entire way. I mean that's I feel like that's just one of those things where the sea just you know from one side of the country to the other. And I, mean, I i think it'd be cool to do at one point is have an RV and then just kinda go out, see whatever's out there.
0: would be very cool. It sounds like a good plan.
1: <laughs> well that's all the time that we have today. Look out for more episodes here soon. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. You can follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at behind catch and where can the fans follow you, Stingray?
0: Well, I'm on all social medias, at Stingray Rob, except for Twitter, which is at Sting underscore Ray underscore Rob. And Rob is R-O-B-B, two Bs. And then if you want to follow along on the IndyCar circuit, um, we're broadcast on NBC Sports Network and the NBC app, Peacock TV. And we have our next race at Road America this weekend.
1: You mentioned it. Make sure to tune in to the Sonzio Grand Prix at Road America, April 30th. Oh, wait, no. Goodness. I didn't change the date. (laughs) What's the date? What's what's Sunday? (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know june uh, june goodness let's june see. 18th i think yeah june 18th yeah yeah tune in to road america june 18th at 1 p.m eastern on usa network and peacock uh thank you guys for tuning in we'll catch you next time <laughs>